So Exodus 26, uh, studying, like I said, the tabernacle. Uh, much of this is repeated as we're going to continue in verses 35, uh, sorry, chapters 35 uh, through 40. Um, uh, now that may seem as uh, like to us unnecessary repetition, uh, but uh, to the Jews, it meant it was it was very uh, important and and a solemn uh, thing for them, very serious to get right. Right? Think think about it. If you're building something uh, that that means this much, you want to get it right. So there's the instruction that Moses first gets, and then as they proceed through, uh, this uh, this comes up again here. So uh, we'll we'll approach this again in chapters 35 uh, through 40, and and no doubt we'll uh, move faster as we can uh, through there. So you know it's not uh, we're not studying the same things there, but we'll glean whatever the Lord has for us as as we uh, go through here. So this tabernacle uh, is a portable dwelling place for the Lord. Uh, the ark and the altars uh, that are to be carried on uh, shoulders. Uh, some of those things are going to reside in the ark. The rest are going to be uh, pulled by uh, oxen. So uh, as we get into this, before we get into it, we'll see that the, the gate always faced east and uh, uh, made a blue, purple, scarlet, uh, those uh, wonderful, beautiful colors that speak of majesty. Uh, so as we process through now, Hebrews 8, 5 tells us who serve, it says, who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he, God said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you, uh, shown you on the mountain. And we're going to see that several times. We'll see it uh, uh, as we're studying, you will see that uh, the Lord is saying that to Moses as he's given him the instructions. So the, the tabernacle itself uh, is, is divided into two different sections, uh, separated by a veil. And, and we've studied this before, but we have the holy place, and that's where the table of showbread, the golden lampstand, and the altar of incense uh, are. Uh, that would be more for the day-to-day -day operations that are happening uh, within the uh, the tabernacle itself. And then the Holy of Holies is where uh, only the Ark of the Covenant would be. And uh, we've talked about this several times, the Day of uh, Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, the high priest could go in on that one day and offer a, a spotless lamb uh, for the sins of Israel. Um, so uh, that's the, as we're studying, just understand the significance of it. And so it's a um, we're we're going to see here that there's um, the uh, the actual tabernacle, and then there's the coverings over it and everything. So. I know it's a little bit tough, uh, you know, this is as we get into this, but understanding what it is and then looking at the pictures, I hope will break this up a little bit for us, uh, because when we start talking about clasps and, um, you know, uh, all these things that are being um, uh, woven in and stuff like that, uh, it's probably uh, not going to be um, as exciting as, as some of our studies can be, but Understanding uh, how wonderful uh, this really is, uh, the Lord can use even something that may seem uh, kind of tough to read uh, to be very powerful for us. So uh, chapter Exodus 26 verse 1 says, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim, 
you shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the width of each curtain, 4 cubits. And every one of the curtains shall have the same measurement. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and uh, the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the uh, selvage. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, coupled to one another. And Oh, no, I was right. Curtain on the selvage of one uh, set. And likewise, you shall do on the outer edge of the other curtain on the second set. Fifty loops you shall make in the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall uh, make on the edge of the curtain that is on the end of the second set. And the loops may be clasped, clasped to, uh, to one another, and you shall make fifty clasps of gold and couple the curtains together with the clasps uh, so that it may be of uh, one, maybe one tabernacle. But he's got it, right? Okay, we got it, <laughs> right? I know when you start looking at all these things, right, the measurements are given. Remember, cubits about 18 inches. So when this thing, you can, you can um, uh, look at each of these things and understand if you just take that and multiply it times 1.5, uh, then uh, you'll see the feet uh, that that will uh, measure out to. So uh, as we continue on here, what we're going to see here is that the tabernacle itself has all the precious things, the beautiful things, right? And then we're going to see the skins. There's the the outer tarp that would cover the tabernacle, okay? But the the beautiful things, the things of gold and those things and the purple and blue, uh, all all those things are going to be covered uh, by skins that we're going to see. There's the tent uh, over covering it so that uh, so that it's preserved. Verse seven: You shall also make curtains of goat's hair uh, to be a tent over the tabernacle. You shall make Eleven curtains. The length of each curtain shall be thirty cubits, forty-five feet, and the width of each curtain shall be uh, four cubits. And the eleven curtains shall uh, all have the same measurements. And you shall uh, couple five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves. And you shall double over the sixth curtain at the forefront of the tent. You shall make fifty loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain on the second set. And you shall make 50 bronze clasps and put the clasps uh, into the loops and couple the tent together that it may be one. The remnant that remains of the curtain of the tent, uh, the, the half curtain that remains shall hang over the back of the tabernacle <clears throat> and a cubit on one side and a cubit on the other side of what remains of the length of the curtain of the tent shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side and on that side to cover it. You shall also make a covering of ramskins dyed red for the tent and a covering of badger skins uh, above that. So uh, another thing that we're, we're going to look at these, we're going to actually get a visual here in just a moment, uh, but understanding. So you have the actual uh, beautiful uh, part of the tabernacle, and now you have uh, the, the, the cover of the tabernacle that's uh, being described. Now it goes back into uh, the tabernacle here in, in 15 uh, as we progress through. So 
promise you we'll make it through the chapter. And for the tabernacle, you shall make the boards of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the width of each board. Two tenons shall be in each board for binding one to another. Thus you shall make uh, for all the boards of the tabernacle. And you shall make uh, the boards for the tabernacle, uh, 20 boards for the south side. You shall make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, there shall be 20 boards and there 40 sockets uh, of silver two sockets under each one uh, each of the boards for the far side of the tabernacle westward you shall make six boards and uh, you shall also make two boards for the back corners of the tabernacle uh, uh, they shall be coupled together at the bottom and they shall be coupled together at the top by one ring thus it shall be for both of them they shall be for the two corners so uh, there shall be eight boards uh, with their sockets of silver, uh, of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under each of the boards with their socket, uh, each of the boards. It says in uh, verse 26, and you shall make bars of acacia wood, five uh, for uh, the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five boards, uh, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle and five bars uh, for the boards on the uh, the side of the tabernacle for the far side westward the middle bar shall pass through the midst of the bars from end to end you shall overlay the bars of uh, the boards with gold uh, make their rings of gold as holders for the bars and overlay the bars with gold you shall raise them up uh, raise up the tabernacle according to its pattern which you were shown on the mountain so uh amanda would you pull up the the picture of uh of the tabernacle okay so uh this is a a great uh what i what i believe to be a great representation as i was kind of coupling these as we're going through like i said if you can't see it well enough feel free to move up um, but when we can see here, so you see the outer skins that would be there, that outer tent that would cover the tabernacle. And then we see the beautiful colors inside and everything being overlaid uh, with gold, the, the, um, the glory uh, that would be on the inside. Now, if you consider Jesus Christ himself, uh, where the glory, because outwardly we're told uh, by the prophets that there was no form or comeliness that we would desire him, Right. Uh, that, that he wouldn't have been the one that people would look at and go, there he is, right? But we know that his uh, inwardly, who he actually was, right, uh, was the glory, right? Uh, the, the gold, what, what that gold represented here. So, uh, but th this picture here of the tabernacle, and you can see the high priest standing out there, and we're going to get kind of an interview of some of these things as we go through, but hopefully this helps us get somewhat of an idea of what this might have looked like, right? When we see that the the uh, the vertical boards were to be uh, ten cubits, fifteen feet high, uh, in the width and those things. So, uh, so what we see here is is uh, that curtain. You see the curtain uh, on the side going into the tabernacle. We see that uh, the 
the Holy of Holies on the on the left side was a 15 foot cube, and uh, so in inside of there would be uh, the Ark of the Covenant by itself, and then out here the alt uh, uh, the altar of incense, um, the uh, the uh, table of showbread, and the um, golden lampstand there. So that's where the the day to day sacrifices would happen there. So hopefully this is a little bit of as we I know we just read through a lot. Right, uh, but just understanding what it might have looked like when it's all put together—that's um, uh, that's quite a thing. Can you imagine? I know this is portable, but that's a lot, right? Uh, so, so God uh, made this so that it could be taken down and put back together. As Israel would move, they would take it down and they would go to wherever the Lord led them, and they would set it back up. So it's it's portable, but but beautiful in and of itself. You notice on the uh, the exterior. Um, screen or or however you want to describe it the the veil that's on the exterior here on the right hand side doesn't have the cherubim like the one that's uh that's in front of the holy of holies so there are some things there so um we'll probably just leave that up there uh here because we, we're going to finish out this this chapter here but i know it's it's a little bit uh labor intensive to read through those things but I, I, I think this might, after what we've seen here, give us a, a, a pretty good understanding of what is being described here uh, once we uh, you know, covered, uh, have already covered that. Verse 31 says, You shall uh, make a veil woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, what we can see there, here, and fine woven linen. It shall be woven uh, with an artistic design of cherubim. So that's going to be the one that goes over uh, the holy of holies. You shall hang it up uh, upon. Uh, you shall hang it upon the four pillars of acacia wood overlaid with gold. Their hooks shall be gold upon four sockets of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasps. Then you shall bring the ark of the testimony or covenant uh, in there behind the veil. The veil shall be the divider for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Now, you probably know where I'm going here next, right? This veil, and we've talked about it before, so I'm not going to dive into it, but uh, that uh, Mark 15 verse uh, 38 describes this veil being uh, uh, torn in two from top to bottom. Isaiah 59 verses uh, 1 and 2 say, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, uh, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. The separation that's being described there, right? We see a separation there that it was that one day that they could go beyond this beautiful veil that was to be made. And uh, so, so what we've just uh, read in 31 through 33 is describing this veil that would be put up there. And, and what, is it, what does it symbolize? Uh, that, that it's separating them uh, from the presence of the Lord. Verse 34, you shall put the mercy seat upon the ark of the testimony in the most holy so this mercy seat we've we, we've talked about a couple weeks ago, and we understand that that sits on top of the Ark uh, of the Covenant. And uh, as I said, we, we've studied that, uh, and we're going to look into that here in, in uh, just a little bit. Uh, we'll actually see a depiction of what that might have looked like. 
so that we'll we'll have something to uh, to uh, look at. I, now I've seen several pictures of what people think that it, that the cherubim would look like when their wings are, are touching uh, there and everything. We don't really know for sure, but uh, the uh, the one that I, I found that we'll look at is uh, the one that I believe might have been the most accurate. I don't know. You'll see some other ones. Some of them just look really weird uh, to me, but uh, I, these ones seem to be ones that uh, because the, the the wings of them are supposed to be touching and stuff. So we'll uh, we'll look into those a little bit more. Uh, verse thirty-five: You shall uh, set the table outside the veil and the lampstand across from the table of uh, on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and you shall put. The, the table on the north side. So uh, just like we looked at before, uh, so uh, we have um, uh, what's being described here is the lampstand being on one side and on the other side, uh, the table there. So you can see those on uh, uh, what's being displayed right now. Uh, verse 36, you shall make a screen for the door of the tabernacle woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread. And fine woven linen made by a weaver, and you shall make uh, for the screen five pillars of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Uh, their hooks shall be gold, and you shall cast five sockets of bronze for them. So uh, looking here, hopefully this all that we just read makes a little bit more sense to us, right? Uh, like I said, for me as a visual learner, I, I like to have something like this to be able to go, okay, that's what it might have looked like. Right, so we have uh, the veil that goes inside, separating the holy place from the most holy place. Uh, in this screen that's being uh, described, that we just looked at here uh, for the the exterior, separating the most holy place from uh, the the court, uh, the courtyard, or or the the court of the um, uh, the the tabernacle that surrounded. So that's all going to be, and we're going to look at a picture of that of what that might have looked like uh, there. So it gives us uh, a little bit of a, a visual. Very uh, helpful for me. I love how these instructions are very, very specific, right? And the Lord makes sure that, that Moses, as he's receiving these instructions in verse, verse uh, 30, says, And you shall raise up a tabernacle according to its, the, its pattern which you were shown on the mountain. So uh, Moses saw this, and then he's being given the actual uh, in-depth uh, instruction of how this thing is supposed to be put together. So pretty neat. I think that this adds a little bit of color to us as we're uh, for us as we're going through, because uh, I I can lose my attention pretty quickly if I don't have something to look at sometimes. So. Yes, I love picture books as a kid, and I still love picture books now. Okay, so uh, Exodus uh, twenty-seven. The altar of of burnt offering is what we're going to uh, to look at next here, but we'll get a picture of it here in just a few minutes. Uh, the altar of burnt offering. This would be in the exterior court of uh, the tabernacle. Uh, so verse one of twenty-seven says, "You shall make an altar of acacia wood, five cubits long and five cubits wide. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits." You shall uh, make its horns on on uh, its four corners. Its horns shall be uh, of one piece with it. You shall overlay it with bronze, and you shall make its pans receive uh, to receive its ashes, and its shovels, and its basins, and its forks, and its fire pans. You shall make all of its utensils of bronze. You shall make a grate for it. 
a network of bronze, and on the network you shall uh, make four bronze rings at its corners. You shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath, that the network may be midway up the altar, and you shall make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, Overlay them with bronze. The poles shall be put in the rings, and the poles shall be on two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards, and uh, as it was shown to you, uh, shown you on the mountain, uh, so they shall make it. So, uh, if we can have uh, that picture, please, Amanda. Uh, so uh, this altar made of brass, and uh, you know, the brass considers a, uh, is a picture of judgment uh, in the scripture. So uh, here's a picture of what it may have looked like here. Uh, you have the network. Uh, the, to us, it would look like lattice um, there, and uh, that, uh, that it says that's uh, halfway up, and we see the rings on the outside that the poles uh, can be put through and the horns on the top, that that's, that's all connected uh, on the top there. So uh, when we're considering... Uh, you know what we're uh, what we're looking at uh, with the altar of burnt offering, uh, and when we see uh, the the um, more of a uh, a higher view uh, that uh, incorporates all of the court there, you'll see uh, where that is on the outside. Uh, so uh, as we as we kind of you know walk through this, uh, hopefully. Uh, this will help us uh, in understanding what it might have looked like. It, uh, I, I, I do like the, the depictions here uh, because it brings it to, uh, I, I feel brings it to life so we can understand what it might have looked like. So uh, the court of the tabernacle, as I said, we're going to get there. So after we read this, we'll look at the court of the tabernacle uh, and we'll see uh, the altar of burnt offering uh, when we get there. So verse 9, uh, you shall also make the court of the tabernacle for the south side. There shall be hangings uh, for the court made of fine uh, woven linen, 100 cubits long, so 150 feet long uh, for uh, one side, and its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets uh, shall be bronze. The hooks of the pillars and the bands shall be silver. Likewise, along the length of the north side, there shall be hangings uh, 100 cubits long. So uh, just matching. So the north and south side are both 150 feet uh, long, 100 cubits. And its uh, pillars, uh, sorry, with its 20 pillars and their 20 sockets of bronze and the hooks and the pillars and their bands of silver. And along uh, the width of the court on the west side shall be hangings of 50 cubits, 75 feet, uh, with uh, their 10 pillars and their 10 sockets. The width of the court on the east side shall be 50 cubits. Another, so that it's a rectangle is what's being described here. Um, it shall be... Uh, uh, on the east side shall be 50 cubits. The hangings on uh, the side, on uh, one side of the gate shall be 15 cubits with uh, their three pillars on their three sockets. And on the other side shall be hangings of 15 cubits with their uh, three pillars and their three sockets. For the gate 
of the court there shall be a screen 20 cubits long woven of blue purple and scarlet thread uh, and fine uh, woven linen uh, made by a weaver and it shall be four pillars for and four sockets and uh, all the pillars around the court shall have uh, bands of silver their hooks shall be of silver and their sockets of bronze. The length of the court shall be 100 cubits, uh, uh, the width 50 throughout, and the height 5 cubits. Uh, with the, uh, sorry, made of fine woven linen and its sockets of bronze, all the utensils of the tabernacle uh, for all its service, all its pegs, and all the pegs of the court shall be bronze. Okay, so it's a tough reading, um, and uh, but it, there's there's a lot here. So when we consider the court, verse. Uh, so the third uh, picture we're going to look at uh, is a uh, a view of the court itself, right? So uh, when we're, we're describing here the north and uh, the uh, south and uh, uh, sorry, the south it says, and then the north side. Uh, each 150 feet long, and then uh, the width of it being 75, okay? And then we see uh, another screen or uh, entrance for them here. So uh, when you consider uh, the, the, the height of five cubits, seven and a half feet, so this is what's, uh, what's being laid out as Israel's moving along, right? So they, they have this court, and um, we see the altar of burnt offering that we talked about there. There's the, uh, the uh, wash basin. Uh, as we're moving from the screen uh, going in here, and then we see uh, the tabernacle uh, by itself. So uh, a lot to read. I understand that. Uh, so as we uh, progress through, just understand the layout may have looked very similar to this. Uh, there's even a scale up there on the top right, which was kind of neat. Uh, so as we're as we're progressing through, uh, hopefully this gives you a little bit of a picture of what it might have looked like. And you can kind of leave that up there for right now, Amanda, and, and until we get to the next one. So next is uh, verse 20. It says, the care of the lampstand. Now, this is interesting to me. Uh, it says in verse 20, and you shall command the children of Israel that they may bring uh, you pure oil of pressed olives for the uh, for the light uh, to cause the lamp to burn continually in uh, the in the tabernacle of meeting outside the veil, which is before the tabernacle. Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. So in Exodus 25, uh, we see that those that wanted to participate uh, could bring uh, their offerings, whatever they wanted to bring, right? And we'll see that as this develops, uh, there's a wonderful uh, uh, thing that we get to witness as we're reading through of everybody with great willing hearts bringing so much so that they had to be commanded to stop bringing, right? But the command here is that Israel would be a part of bringing the oil that is required for the light to not go out. They're being actually commanded this. Uh, so uh, a little bit of a difference from those that wanted to participate, but this is a command uh, uh, to, uh, to help supply this so there would be continual uh, worship. So the lampstand itself was uh, the light that would be in the holy place. Now uh, consider that this lampstand uh, directly speaks to Christ being the light of the world. Uh, when when we see that there's no uh, there's no end to this John eight 
uh, verses, uh, sorry, chapter 8, verse 12, and chapter 9, verse 5, uh, Christ being the light of the world. Uh, John 1, verse 9, uh, he is the true light that gives light to everyone. Uh, he is the only way uh, anyone can come to the Father uh, as as the light. So John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. So that representation there, that this always has to be a lit, and uh, this was something to be a continual part. So um, now we're going to look at uh, the lampstand. Uh, so uh, what it may have, have looked like and all of the, the things uh, that are described, the intricacies that were uh, to be made uh, to uh, represent whatever the Lord had prescribed. Uh, next would be the altar of incense. So this altar of incense, when we looked at the picture of the tabernacle, this was uh, right up near the uh, the veil separating the holy place uh, from the most holy place, right? So we have uh, uh, we have uh, this here uh, that would have been inside that holy place. So you have the um, the uh, lampstand, uh, the table, and uh, and then we have here the altar of incense. And uh, lastly, uh, the picture we'll look at would be uh, what the Ark of the, the Covenant may have looked like. Uh, so we see um, as uh, this would have to be carried, right? And and we saw uh, the, uh, when, I, remind me of his name, Uzzah, Uzzah, Uzziah, maybe? Yes, when, when he touched it, uh, when he touched it and he, and he died. I know there's King Uzziah, but I, I for some reason Uzzah is coming into my mind. So, uh, regardless, uh, uh, it was not to be touched, right? They had, they had put this on a cart, right? And when it's being carried, it's uh, as, uh, some, the, the thing is stumbling, um, that, uh, the, the oxen, uh, they stumble and, uh, the, the cart is bouncing and he reaches out and, and, uh, re please, if you find the name, uh, Uzziah or Uzzah, for some reason, Uzzah is coming to mind, um. But it's not to be touched. They're supposed to carry that with poles. Very, uh, is it Uzzah or Uzziah? It's Uzzah, yes. Sorry, it, it's, uh, so it is Uzzah, right? Uh, and, and David uh, gets mad at the Lord. David should have been mad at himself because they should have looked back and how this thing was supposed to be transported, right? But we see there uh, Ark of the Covenant with the mercy uh, lid, that would a uh, mercy seat that would, would have been set on top of that. So uh, might have been what it looks like where you have the cherubim on top and everything. So um, just something for us to look at here. So um, some pretty uh, interesting things. Can you bring up the uh, the, the full uh, with the court? And, uh, and yeah, so... Uh, when we look at that, uh, so that may have been uh, very similar to what was uh, described there. And then the tabernacle, please, if you would uh, pull that up so that we can understand how those things may have been uh, set in there. So uh, hopefully give us a little bit of a visual there. Okay, so now uh, we're going to move into, and we're doing very well on time. So we're going to move into Exodus uh, 28. Uh, and this will end up stopping uh, in 28 tonight here, but considering the garments uh, for priesthood. So uh, this is uh, this is quite a thing being uh, described here and, and uh, to to help us understand what these things may have looked like. Um, uh, this uh, this picture that I uh, was able to find, I found a few of them, uh, but this one seemed to uh, be a great representation of what was being described. So we'll we'll look at this here in a few moments. But uh, but first, let's get into it. Verse one says, "Now take Aaron, your brother, 
and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priests. Aaron and his and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So you shall speak to all who are uh, gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest." So uh, we see here uh, in verse 1, the Lord is giving the instructions uh, that the priests are supposed to wear specific garments as they're ministering. Uh, so the priests are separated unto God, and, uh, and, and then the Lord says that he might minister to God and then obviously minister to and for the people. So the Lord is telling Moses that Aaron is to wear, as the high priest, a, a very special um uh, garment and, and 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 all of these garments put together. Uh, this this would be what he would wear for his high priestly duties. So uh, there's a lot here, and uh, as we go through, hopefully we can get a good understanding of what this may have looked like. Verse four says, "And these are the garments which they shall make: a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic." a turban, and a sash. And we're going to get into each of these as we go. So they shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and for his sons, that he may minister to me as priests. So first of all, uh, Amanda, would you pull that up for me, please? Uh, so we're, I'm just going to leave this up here. So anytime you kind of want to look at it, uh, then then you can, uh, you can look at it itself. The first thing we're going to look at, which is described here, uh, is the ephod. Uh, so this is an ornamented uh, vest. So verses 5 through 14 are going to cover this. So the ephod would be uh, the longer of the multicolored uh, uh, things that you see here. So the breastplate has all the stones in it, uh, but the ephod itself is uh, the, the longer of the two. Okay, so that's, that's what we're, we're considering as we're reading these verses. Verse 5 says, They shall take the gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen artistically worked. So it's not just throwing this together. This is a very intricate process. And uh, when you look back at what God says about this in verse 3, it says, So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that these people were gifted with the skill to be able to do these things. There are, I'm looking around this room and I see carpenters. I see people that work on cars, electricians. You know, I, I, I see all kinds of us. Uh, Tom has many different things that he can do. Uh, there, there are several different skills that God gives us, right? Uh, you don't want me uh, working on your vehicle. You know, I can just tell you that I can do some basic things, right? You get a flat tire. I'm, I, I'm there to help you. Okay. It might take me a little bit longer than uh, these guys. Cause they can go, yep. And they're fast and they've got the power drill and all that thing. I'm using the little spinny thing. Right. And I'm doing those things. So I can do the basics uh, that I need to do of, of fix some things on my vehicle of, you know, drop, uh, when, when my uh, gas tank strap broke, lovely main, uh, even those things, you know, rust out and my gas tanks like half hanging down and everything. That's not a good thing. Right. So I can, I can take care of some of these things. Uh, 
but that's not my main skill, right? And and I'll just be honest, working on vehicles, especially you get into anything, it brings out the absolute worst in me, <laughs> okay? So it does because what I know should only take me 20 minutes when it's an hour and a half, hour and two hours because I dropped the bolt or any of those things, I'm, and I'm out there and I'm losing my mind and I'm going, this is why I don't work on these things. And I'm all right, I'm praying and I'm, I'm almost reaching, looking up to God like, why? You know, and just so I find people that are skilled and I say, hey, I'm going to pay you to do this, right? So God has given us all different skills. Well, I think we all understand that, right? My, uh, some of my daughters, uh, Madison, Madison, uh, math comes so easy to Madison. It's so easy. She's doing like, I don't know, advanced calculus in college and stuff. And I can barely spell calculus, right? No, I'm actually a pretty good speller. But just just understanding calculus. You guys have understand, you know, when I got to algebra, you know, numbers, punctuation and letters being put together, they don't make sense to me. But uh, but these all so my, my daughter has an understanding and, and where she's a elementary education Major, she's a senior uh, in college right now. She's almost to. Uh, she'll finish out all of her um, her curriculum, and then she'll go be a, a student teacher uh, for a semester, and then she'll be a licensed teacher. Um, uh, when I when I consider what Ashley can do, you know what I see in my children. Right, Ashley's very uh, and and Natalie, both of them are very. Uh, they they've got Jen's. Uh, are a gift of artistry. They can uh, they can just make things. They're very creative. So they have those things, and um, they they just have these uh, these wonderful abilities to be able to create things. And and I can walk in, and Ashley's got this, and she's showing me, hey, Dad, look what I made. And and Maddie's actually very good at those things. But her passion, she she really is, uh, you know, a great student. And Natalie will show me a picture, and I'm like, no, you you traced that, didn't you? Of these animals, and she's got the skill. She's got the shading of the eyes. Those are things that are 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 gifts that we get from the Lord. And uh, when we understand what what God is describing here in verse three, these people are gifted, and God is saying, "Those people that have gifted, I want them to use that gift for me." Right. So there is there is a a a prescription for us when we're trying to figure out. Okay, why do I have this gift? Use it for God, whatever that means. Right. The uh, I know you two love to, to, to can. Right. You, you got you love doing that. And I know that you you want to do these things and you're looking into how does this work and, you know, how do I do this best and everything? And uh, and how are you going to use that for the Lord? I'm sure he's going to speak to you. Right. Those gifts that we have that we would honor the Lord. That's what God is saying, that when we're making these things, use these people where I know I know it, I just we're on artistically worked from verse six. I get it. But we have to know who's doing it and why they're doing it, right? Verse 7. It shall have two shoulder straps joined at its edges, and so it shall be joined together. And the intricately woven band of the ephod, which is on it, shall be of the same workmanship, made of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and of fine woven linen. Then you shall take, so uh, as we're looking here at the ephod, you see the shoulder straps that are coming over, right? If you can't really see it because you're too far over, the, the, the ephod comes up like this, and then there's another end that comes over here, and there's going to be a gold clasp there uh, that's going to have, as we'll see here, the 12 tribes, six on each of them, 
uh, there. So it's it's uh, as we're looking at this verse uh, nine says, then you shall take two onyx stones. Uh, so they're onyx stones, and then they're going to be covered with gold. But uh, and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel, six of their names on one stone, and six names on the other stone in order of their birth with the work of the of an engraver in stone so there's another one there right like the engravings of a signet you shall engrave the stones uh, with the names of the sons of Israel then you shall set them in settings of gold that's where the gold comes in sorry uh, and you shall put on the two stones uh, put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as a, as memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. So what's a memorial for? To remind us, right? Uh, verse uh, 13, you shall also make settings of gold and you shall make two chains of pure gold like braided cords and fasten the braided core, uh, braided chains uh, to the settings. So the ephod, that longer of the things of the many of uh, the um, uh, things that are designed of the many colors and everything that. Uh, the longer of the two, and then we see where they're coming up and how they come together. There is what just being de what is being described there. Um, when we see the two onyx stones and engraved in them in order of birth uh, would be on the shoulders uh, there. So uh, we're not talking about coveralls and overalls here, right? This is very uh, very in depth description and. Uh, of what is to be used and it's supposed to be made uh, very carefully according to these things. So the high priest is ministering on all uh, behalf of all Israel uh, with these things. So the two onyx stones um, would be sitting on the shoulders there. Uh, and if you need uh, to find these, I found these on blue letter Bible. Um, so you can go on there and you can look, just click on, uh, I think it's study tools and everything. And there's uh, some pretty neat things, weird looking ones too. Uh, but these were the ones that uh, seem uh, to, to really line up with what's being said here. So it says to put them on the shoulders. It's symbolic of Aaron bearing the names of the 12 tribes before the Lord on his shoulders. Uh, consider Christ bearing uh, our sins on his shoulders and ministering uh, before God on our behalf. Those that that uh, the name would be on the shoulder. So uh, pretty uh, neat, uh, you know, insightful things that we can draw from this. Now, considering the the breastplate is what we're going to look at from uh, verses 15 through 21. The the breastplate. Uh, was a span, which would be roughly seven and a half to eight inches uh, square. Now, what God tells them is to make double this because it's supposed to be folded uh, in half. It's going to create a pouch for the Urim and Thummim, and we'll see that as we go through here. But the breastplate there is where there would be the 12 stones representing the 12 tribes. So we have uh, the ephod the, uh, with uh, that sitting in the background there, uh, and uh, we're going to get into the breastplate now. Verse 15, you shall make the breastplate of judgment. Okay, that's uh, just when you consider those words in there. Artistically woven according to the workmanship of the ephod, uh, you shall make it, right? So that's why they look very similar uh, in uh, with all the same things, gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine uh, woven linen, you shall make it. It shall be doubled into a square 
a span shall be its length and a span shall be its width. So the double of that, right? Uh, so that's that's what we we're describing here. So there's seven and a half to eight inches square, but that was to be doubled so that it could be folded to make a pocket. Uh, verse 17, and you shall put settings of stone in it, four rows of stones. The first uh, row shall be a sardis, a topaz, and an emerald. These uh, uh, and uh, sorry, this shall be the first row. The second row shall be a turquoise, a sapphire, and a diamond. The third row shall be a jacinth, an uh, agate, uh, agate um, and an amethyst. So those ones are a little bit harder than turquoise, right? As we're reading them. And the fourth row uh, shall be a beryl an onyx and a jasper. They shall be set in gold settings and the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, uh, each with its own name. They shall be according to the 12 tribes. So as we discussed, the span of this breastplate was supposed, it was supposed to be the measurement of a span, you know, roughly seven and a half to eight inches that it would be uh, there doubled though. And then they would make a pocket for the Urim and Thummim. We're going to get to that uh, as we progress. We'll get into verse 30 and, and look at those as we uh, go through. So the four rows of three stones for the 12 tribes. So now consider Aaron would, uh, as the high priest will bear them on his chest. Okay, so we, we already see uh, what's, uh, it, it's quite a picture here that's being painted. Now, these are precious stones. You know, when you consider that the Lord is, is considering his tribes uh, to be precious to him. He's not saying, hey, go find, remember as kids, I remember, uh, and I don't even know what it is, but the, these little black things, my brother's like, that's a moon rock. It came from the moon. Of course, I was like seven years younger than my brother. He could have told me it was anything, and I would have believed it, right? But I'm going, I'm like, Mom, I found a rock from the moon, right? It's not like we're going out and just finding these common things. God is saying these precious stones uh, that are there, that these precious stones would would uh, be representative of each tribe. Now, there's uh, there are people that have done studies of how these stones actually represent uh, these tribes in there. We're not going to get into that because I didn't get into it, and I couldn't even explain it to you. But some people have done that, and it sounds intriguing to me. Um, but we're, you know, for the purposes of our verse by verse study, we're not going to spend time in that today. But, uh, but we'll we'll dive into this a little bit more uh, before moving on. So these precious stones uh, in the gold setting for the stones. So three of them in each of the four rows. So the first row would have Sardis for Reuben, Topaz for Simeon, Emerald uh, for Levi. The second row would have Turquoise for Judah, Sapphire for Issachar, Diamond for Zebulun. The third row, uh, Jason uh, for Dan, uh, Agat uh, for uh, Naphtali, Amethyst for Gad, uh, Burl for Asher on the fourth row, uh, Onyx for Joseph, and Jasper uh, for Benjamin for uh, the fourth row. So uh, we we understand, you know, when you're in some of these words uh, that are on here, um, that uh, an emerald here, uh, as I'm listening and uh, as I'm researching, might be a different color uh, that's described in Israel. Tom's given the head nod to that he's familiar with that also. Might be a different color. One thing we can get to the point of, it's not necessarily important what it actually looked like, but it's pretty cool, you know, just thinking of it. They're beautiful, right? And the names of each tribe are engraved on them. 
This is, this is something that's gorgeous, right, that the high priest would wear. So they have the ephod, and then we have the breastplate there uh, that's, uh, that's also uh, that's sitting on top of it. Verse uh, 22, you shall make chains for the breastplate at the end, like braided cords of pure gold. And you shall make two rings of gold for the breastplate and put the two rings on the ends of the breastplate that you sh uh, then you should put the two braided chains of gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate and the other two ends of the two braided chains you shall fasten uh, to the two settings and put them on the shoulder straps of the ephod in the front so the chains are uh, to hold up uh, the uh, the breastplate, right? You shall make two rings of gold and put them on two ends of the breastplate on the edge of it, which is on the inner side of the ephod. Verse 27, and the two other rings you shall make and put uh, them on the two shoulder straps underneath the ephod toward its front, uh, right at the seam uh, above the intricately woven band of the ephod. Uh, so we're, what we're seeing here is how these things are, how they're stra the, the, the breastplate is to be strapped to uh, and to be held down is what's being described here. Verse 28, they shall bind the breastplate by means of its rings to the rings of the ephod using the blue cord so that uh, it is above the intricately woven band of the ephod so that the breastplate does not come loose from the ephod. So as we see here, uh, it's going to be secured there. Verse 29, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart. Now that's important to look at, over his heart, when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put the breastplates of judgment uh, the uh, in the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. I don't know that I want to be bearing the judgment of the children of Israel over my heart, right? Uh, but what a powerful thing that, that he is being uh, commanded to wear. Right, he's being commissioned uh, to 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 bear these things here. Now, it's describing the urim and the thummim. Uh, those words urim means lights, thummim means perfections. Uh, it's not known exactly what these two things are, uh, but they're to be placed in the pocket behind the breastplate with the names of Israel. So the, the breastplate has the names of Israel, and then they have the Urim and the Thummim. Most believe that they're two polished stones that the priest would use to determine God's will in a specific matter, um, uh, like a yes or no type thing, or uh, uh, they may have been exactly the same. They may have been, might have been uh, a white or black. Uh, we don't really know, okay? So anybody that professes to, I'd be interested in hearing uh, what they have, but uh, anytime I've ever listened to somebody teach this, this is how it's been described. Don't really know, but uh, we, and we don't know a whole lot about them, but it sounds pretty cool, and they're in the pouch God commanded him to be there, uh, so it's it's a pretty neat thing. One thing I can tell you is they're not Joseph Smith's magic glasses, right? They're not. Uh, that's what he called them, the Urim and the Thummim, right? 
Uh, and what he said is it gave him the ability to read the, the golden tablets that nobody else saw, right, and, and all these things. Joseph Smith uh, was a false prophet and a liar, okay? So um, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormons, that cult, uh, um, that's what he called the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, so it, I can guarantee you it's not that, okay? He doesn't have the little uh, special glasses in there and everything. Uh, so the, the gemstones... Uh, if we look at them at gemstones uh, and consider that they might have been things that uh, were used to uh, determine God's will. Some uh, have said that they may have lit, lit up, which would be kind of cool, right? Uh, who knows? Uh, so um, they might have been just identical stones in the pouch with engraving that would reveal the answers. We don't really know, uh, but we do know they were there. So regarding the breastplate, because it's mentioned again, Aaron is bearing the names of the sons of the children of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart, what it says. So uh, three times, uh, as we're reading through here, it says that he'd bear them on his heart. Uh, you know, when he goes into the holy, holy uh, place, uh, he would have a memorial before the Lord. So Aaron must wear this as he goes into the presence of the Lord, uh, that he is there. Uh, he is the representative. Uh, he, he represents God to the people, and he's also representing the people to God as he'd go in, go in and minister. So quite a, a heavy burden uh, for him uh, to go in and to understand that he's to bear them on his heart. Now, uh, that's a, a uh, an important thing uh, for ministry, and we're going to get into that here pretty soon, but that he would they would be near to his heart, that, that, that the, the tribes that he's representing would actually be near to his heart. If you're a minister, if someone's called to be uh, in ministry, you have to have the heart to be able to do so. And those that you're ministering to have to be close to your heart. Uh, it's it's quite a, this is, these are powerful things. I know when we're reading them, it can be just kind of tedious reading, reading, but what is the meaning behind these things? And what do these things represent? Very powerful. Verse 31, and you shall make the robe of the ephod all blue. So uh, as we look here, the robe. That would sit under uh, that sits under that ephod, right, right there, right there, as you're you're looking at the long one, of all blue. There shall be an opening for uh, his head in the middle of it. So God knows how to design something. He's got to be able to put it on, right? Um, it shall have a wo uh, woven binding all around its opening, uh, like so, like a collar uh, opening in the coat of the male. Uh, sorry, in the, in a coat of mail, uh, so that it does not tear. And upon its hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and bells of gold between uh, all of them, a golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate, upon uh, the hem of the robe all around. And you can see that kind of depicted there, little bit hard to see if you're looking out there, but it does uh, have that depicted there. And it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers, and uh, its sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord when and when he comes out, that he may not die. So the bells would be a solemn reminder of the nature of the work that he's doing. This is important stuff. Uh, it, it's uh, to understand how uh, important his position is. That bell would be a reminder. Right as he's moving, that just the reminder that this isn't something to be taken lightly. As he's as he's wearing this, uh, he could also be heard as he's in there. And if the bell stopped ringing, 
uh-oh, <laughs> you know, he might be dead there, right? Uh, verse 36, you shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, um, like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord, and you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban. So now we're looking at the turban. So we see the turban, and then you see the gold band that's right in the front. It shall be on the front of the turban, so it shall be on Aaron's forehead, uh, that Aaron uh, may bear the iniquity of the holy things, uh, which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall always be on his forehead, that they may be accepted before the Lord. You shall skillfully weave the woven uh, the, the tunic of fine linen thread. You shall make the turban of fine linen, and you shall make the sash of uh, uh, of woven work. So uh, that's uh, what it may look like there. It's kind of a poofy looking thin thing there, but we can we can see here uh, the band that was uh, to be put on there, uh, where it says that that plate of pure gold that would be there, and that it would say holiness to the Lord on his forehead. Uh, to the Jews, that would mean holy is the Lord. Um, now understand where it says iniquity. Uh, iniquity in, uh, existed, uh, but at the appointed time, in the appointed manner, the appointed man, Aaron, uh, could go before the Lord uh, and minister on behalf of Israel. So uh, that, that reminder there of God's holiness that would be there, uh, the, the holy uh, to the Lord, uh, that's... Uh, Sorry, holy is, uh, yeah, holiness to the Lord, and, and holy uh, is the Lord. So uh, when we uh, consider what Aaron being able to do that, uh, being able, so he'd go in and he'd have the, the 12 tribes' names on his heart and the holiness uh, uh, to the Lord on his forehead. What does that mean? What does that speak of? Speaks of, of one that's coming uh uh, after him, speaking of uh, the Messiah, and uh, when we when we consider that Jesus came at the appointed time, uh, in the appointed way, uh, and made us acceptable uh, to the Father, so it's a really neat thing to consider. Now, uh, this ministry uh, that's being represented, he's ministering uh, for those uh, that are supposed to be on his mind, also. And uh, so it, it, it's it's quite a thing here uh, for us to uh, to consider uh, that that he is to be mindful of his ministry. So he's ministering to the Lord with Israel on his mind and uh, on his heart. So uh, one thing to pick up from this for anybody, uh, especially pastors, is ministry is not about us, <laughs> right? It's not about us, right? Think of what what the church looks like just in America today. Right. You can turn on Christian channels and go, is that what church is? You guys ever had somebody send you a YouTube clip of some craziness that's happened in church? What's funny is some of those mix ups that people do and they'll put you know, music to and people are dancing and everything. And it's hilarious to look at, but it's also extremely sad. Right. What is, what are we supposed to be focused on? The holiness of the Lord. And, and how much we need him, right? A minister should be thinking of who the Lord is and who, who am I ministering uh, to and for. 
That's what a minister is supposed to be focused on, the Lord and what is my mission. Right? That's, that's what a minister is supposed to be all about. It's not about us. Ministering to the Lord, ministering for the children of Israel. Love the Lord with the Lord your God with all your heart, right? That he would have that thing right there, and that the people that he's ministering to are right there uh, in his heart, with all your soul and with all your mind, right? With everything that you have, that, that, that we would be worshiping God with everything that we are. Verse 40, for Aaron's sons, shall, uh, you shall make tunics and you shall make uh, and you shall make sashes for them and you shall make hats for them for glory and for beauty. You shall uh, put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his uh, and on his sons with him. You shall uh, anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them that they may minister to me as priests. So uh, understanding it's a powerful thing to represent God to the people. And God honored them as they did. They were given special things to wear. I don't know about you guys, but uh, at times when, when, you know, when you're a kid and you get the opportunity, I remember wearing my football uniform everywhere I went, right? You know, I, we'd get done with a game at, I don't know, noon. And at 6 o'clock, I'm still at the ice cream parlor wearing my football uniform, right? It, it was it was a special thing to wear, so much more special, right? Or I, I remember uh, my my grandmother would melt, you know, and I knew that anytime my grandmother would come down from Caribou, my mom would call and say, "Graham's here. Can you wear your uniform over?" And I'd have to wear my military uniform. She'd cry in front of me and everything, and I'm just like, "I don't want to wear this. I've been in for, but it was for my grandmother, right?" So you just shut up and you you know just go do it, go home and you know, or bring the. Uh, you know, change of clothes, and once you get to see, okay, cool, let's take a picture and everything like that. It's something special that God gave them uh, to wear, uh, and uh, so God honored them. It says for glory and for beauty, and it says mentions anointing them, the sacred oil placed on their uh, head in a special ceremony. It represented the filling and continual reliance upon the Holy Spirit. The consecration mentioned here, given into the hands of the Lord, being equipped. To minister uh, also sanctification made clean and set apart. You know, we're set apart uh, from the Lord. Uh, we, we are called to minister, right? As they were called to minister, we're called to minister as uh, we're around, uh, you know, our loved ones or people we work with. And for his purposes to be salt and light. That, that it would be a known, that, that our how we conduct ourselves would reflect God and it would bring glory uh, to God, right? This is uh, all required by the Lord so that they could minister. And lastly, uh, verse uh, 42 says, And you shall make for them linen trousers. This is the most exciting part of our study, right? To cover their nakedness. They uh, shall reach from the uh, waist to the thighs. They shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they come into the tabernacle meeting or when they come, uh, out, uh, come near the altar to minister in the holy place that they do not incur iniquity and die. Uh, it shall uh, be a statute forever to them and to his, and his descendants after them. So nakedness covered. Uh, the Lord described how that would happen. Uh, also, uh, it, it, there may have been some influence uh, in the pagan world where they would uh, sometimes just do their offerings uh, naked and stuff like that. God's like, we're going to have no part in that. You're set apart. You're different from them. Here's some trousers to wear and, and everything, and I'm sure that was probably a blessing for them. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on that, but uh, linen. They were to wear linen to be light, uh, no sweat, uh, a light burden, right? I remember Will teaching that, just saying, hey, God doesn't want our service to him uh, to be uh, a, a burden. Uh, not that uh, ministry is going to be hard, but uh, it's not about the work. 
You know, God does the work. We're just called to be uh, his willing servants. So, uh, quite, guys, we made it through three chapters. Uh, not always the most exciting things to get into, uh, but being able to visualize these things and kind of put them into our mind what they might have looked like. Hopefully, as we you know continue in our own studies, we may be able to remember these things or dive into uh, some online tools or book tools to look into these things, what it might it look like, uh, just so we can have some sort of understanding. So uh, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, uh, Lord, that we can understand uh, how intricate you, uh, you are. And God, that you gave these things as a shadow of, of uh, the heavenly tabernacle. Oh, so interesting for us to look at these things. And, and we may look and wonder why all the clasps and everything. You know why, Lord. But they are, they are wonderful. And this is a majestic thing that was made for worship. That your children could be brought near to you by. Lord, the, the symbolism that we've studied, Lord. Oh God, there's so much here that you want us uh, to be brought near to you. And that you, Lord, uh, we're precious in your sight. Oh God, you have you go to these very great and intricate lengths just to show us who you are and how much you love us, what you've done for us that we might come to you. All these things pointing to Christ. We thank you for who you are, how you love us. Help us to understand who we are in your eyes. As we leave this place, as we go through uh, what things that might be hard for us, just knowing our great high priest, how he ministered on our behalf. We love you. We thank you. Help us to know how precious we are in your eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you. Have a great night and rest of your week.